Good morning. It's May 7th. Welcome to Doing Life, Daily Devotions for Finding Peace in Stressful Times. This is the audible companion to the book of the same name. Today's topic, Suffering. Either God wants to abolish evil and cannot, or he can but doesn't want to. If he wants to but cannot, he is impotent. If he can and doesn't want to, he is wicked. But if God both can and wants to abolish evil, then why is there evil in the world? Epicurus, 300 BC. Can you remember the last time you found a baby bird hopping limply around on the ground after having been blown out of its nest? Or perhaps you found a baby squirrel in roughly similar circumstances. Some of us have had the unfortunate run-in with somewhat more imposing creatures, like encountering an injured dog, coyote, or fox on the side of the highway. As you approach to see how you might render aid, I'll wager they all exhibited the same response. Terror. They either tried to get away or they tried to bite you or both. Why would they do that when all you were doing was trying to help? The obvious answer is that in their agony and pain and fear, they have no idea that you're trying to help. When professor of philosophy at Boston College Peter John Kreeft, Ph.D., was confronted with the question of how could there be such suffering in a world where there's supposedly an omnipotent loving God, he drew on a metaphor using similar imagery to that of our injured wild animal. Dr. Kreeft, the author of the acclaimed book Making Sense Out of Suffering, was interviewed by Lee Strobel, who was writing The Case for Faith, and researching responses to the eight great objections to Christianity, the most common of which is, why is there suffering? Dr. Kreeft was presented with horrific examples of suffering, everything from World War I nerve gas to the Holocaust, the slaughter of Nanking, the killing fields of Cambodia, the Rwandan genocide, Serb-Croat horrors, to the torture and disappearance of an entire generation in South America. How could a loving God even exist? Dr. Kreeft first noted that claiming God could not possibly exist was the height of intellectual arrogance. It assumes that God, in his infinite wisdom and complete knowledge of the future, sees things the same way we see things, in our very finite and limited understanding, with no knowledge of the future. That is, of course, absurd. Dr. Kreeft posits that we imagine a bear caught in a trap. A hunter who wishes to free this particular animal approaches with a rifle, tranquilizer darts and rope. The bear will become even more angry and agitated and fearful. The hunter then shoots the bear with a dart in order to render him defenseless while he frees him. In so doing, he actually has to push the leg further into the trap in order to get the jaws open and release the injured appendage. If the bear were not adequately sedated, it would undoubtedly kill the hunter, misunderstanding his attempts to free him as attacks. Why did the bear react this way? because he's not nearly as smart as a human. Dr. Kreef suggests there is logically a much greater gulf between the infinite intelligence of an omnipotent God and man than there is between the man and the bear. We know no more about the motivations of God than that bear does about us. But just as the bear could choose to trust the man, we can choose to trust God, despite the suffering we don't understand. We won't put the question of suffering in the world to rest in one devotional. Suffering in our world often seems to come from the free will we've been given. God created us good, but with the potential to do badly, which we appear to do every day. Strobel says that if we ask God, 
Why do you allow people to suffer in pestilence and starvation? He would very likely respond with, I was just going to ask you the same question. The answer to the question is not philosophical. The answer is a person, Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered and died a horrific death when he was innocent, taking our sins unto himself, abandoned on a cross on a hillside. But then he conquered death and turned what man meant for evil into what God meant for good. The next time you contemplate suffering, like the ancient Greek philosopher in our opening quote, whether on a worldly scale or because a loved one is suffering very near to home, remember that we are the bear. Combine that with your faith that the word is true, that God will work everything for good for those who love him, Romans 8.28, and you have stumbled upon the recipe for hope, peace, and the contentment that we call joy. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1.6 Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Job 38.4 Dear Heavenly Father, forgive us our arrogance when we question your very existence simply because our understanding is so limited. Remind us through your Holy Spirit that your thoughts are not our thoughts and your ways are not our ways. We beg you, on behalf of those who are suffering, Lord, bring them relief, if not in this life, then in the next. Bring them the assurance that you are indeed sovereign and that good will win out over evil, no matter the time frame, just as you have promised us in your word. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.